Chariot Mobile Conference Session Number 1, State-of-the-Art for Mobile Application Development. Today's conference session is a talk from this week's Mobile Application Developer Seminar Series, held by Chariot Solutions in Philadelphia. The talk, State-of-the-Art for Mobile Application Development, was given by Chariot's Don Coleman, who develops both enterprise and mobile applications in a variety of platforms and languages. In this talk, he surveys the current landscape of APIs and platforms and gives his perspective on where things are today and where they may be moving to in the future. The slides for this talk are available by visiting the Downloads tab on the Chariot website, chariotsolutions.com. So good morning. I think that uh, just about everybody's here, so we'll uh, start a few minutes early before the Oracle guy comes in and tries to poach you guys again. <laughs> but uh, thank you for coming to the uh, first in our, hopefully, uh, series of presentations about mobile development that Chariot Solutions is running. Uh, we want to talk... Uh, today about we're going to have two presentations with a break in between. Um, hopefully these presentations aren't necessarily going to answer all your questions, but they should start some discussion. Hopefully in our break we'll have, we'll have a little discussion amongst ourselves. And also uh, there'll be some time after my presentation for questions. <clears throat> so today the, uh, this was billed as you know, state of the union or state of the art for mobile application development. And I'm going to talk a little bit today. Uh, there's a lot of different things in mobile development. There are um, a lot of opinions, and there's definitely more than one, one right. Excuse me, more than one right way to do this. One of the first questions people ask is, you know, which handsets or platforms should you target? And one of my questions I'll have back is, well, what are you trying to build? Who are you trying to build it for? Those are going to help determine what's the right platform today. Um, regardless of that, I'm going to group the, the current platforms into what I consider a few different tiers. The top tier, I'm putting iPhone and Android. iPhone, clearly, they're a market leader, they're a game changer. They've really kind of set the bar for how to do mobile application development. There was uh, a lot of mobile stuff before then, but they've gotten a lot of people excited about it. Their um, market, their Application store has really changed things. Got a lot of people interested in it who weren't in there before. Android is not quite as polished as the iPhone. It's every bit as good, and they're going to sell a ton of devices. One of the things I saw yesterday is uh, T-Mobile will give you a free Android phone now with a two-year contract, which is great, uh, because the more devices we can get out there, the more uh, mobile development will be there. So iPhone is kind of like the show pony, where Android's a workhorse. Um, I think iPhone's going to continue to keep setting the bar really high, but there's going to be so many more people with Android devices. Not quite in the top tier is BlackBerry 6. I've demoted BlackBerry for a few reasons. I think BlackBerry really tried to do a lot of things right with BlackBerry 6. I was really excited with the BlackBerry announcement. It was like, hey, they're going to do things right this time. It's going to be awesome. You get your hands on a torch, it doesn't seem quite as good as an Android and iPhone. I was very disappointed. The hardware... Seems underpowered. The touch screen was way better than they've done before. Wasn't quite there. The development tools are a lot better, but they're still pretty. They're still pretty clunky. You know, like try streaming audio to the simulator, things like that. Stuff just breaks. So 
they're getting much better. I think they missed an opportunity with this. I'm hoping they, you know, correct that and really make these things better. That being said, BlackBerry has a big market share, and they clearly have an edge in the enterprise. So it's something that can't be ignored. From a developer's perspective, I like some of the other platforms better. From a market perspective, there's some things that are going to work really good on BlackBerry. What are some platforms to watch? We like some of the things Windows Phone 7 is doing. You know, it's just come out. You can hardly buy the handsets. Initially, they're targeting non-business users. They're targeting games and social and stuff like that. Um, I think they're doing some interesting things. It has some really good potential. Another one is WebOS. If you asked me two months ago, hey, what's up with WebOS, I would have said they're dead. Forget it. Palm can't sell the handsets. Nobody has them. Technically, it's really good, but no one's using it. Um, HP is taking another crack at this. They have WebOS 2 coming out. They're pushing some developer marketing. Uh, if they can sell some devices, it has the potential to be a good platform. And then the who knows. Uh, there's Symbian 3. Technically, once again, they're very good. Organizationally, the Symbian group seems like they're a mess. The CEO quit. They fired the CTO. They put a CFO in charge. They have really low U.S. market share. You know, the N8, they announced it. It was looking like a great phone. Really tough time buying an N8 from a carrier right now. Um, Migo is another one. It's a Nokia-Intel partnership. Still very new. It's not just a handset solution. They're targeting a whole bunch of devices, netbooks, TVs, cars, um, tablets, things like that. It has some potential, but that's still pretty far off. From the development perspective, what do we like to avoid? Um, my list gets pretty big here. BlackBerry 4, BlackBerry 5. They're a pain to develop for. Um, the Symbian S60, big market share on that, not necessarily in the U.S. Once again, development is tough on there. Windows Phone 6.5, unless you have a really compelling reason, I'd avoid that. Also in there, I'm lumping feature phones. Feature phones are a whole other game. Feature phones are uh, typically not quite as good as a smartphone, running Java ME or like Qualcomm Brew or something like that. Um, there's newer phones like the Samsung Wave 2, which looks like a pretty good device. Um, they have their Bada platform. But that's really kind of a different thing. A lot of those feature phones, you've got to work with the carriers. You've got to go through their stores. Um, it's nice that there's a payment channel to get the things, but um, it's kind of a different game than smartphone development. So for right now, I'm kind of like, it's not something we're concentrating on. So which one? It goes back to, you know, what's your target market? Um, which phones are they using now, or which phones do you think they'll be using? And that's going to take some research and some guessing. Now, you might choose one of my suboptimal platforms because it really makes sense for your business case. Um, and that's really where some of those older BlackBerry things would come in. BlackBerry 5 right now is starting to, uh, a lot more of the handsets have that. The BlackBerry 4 handsets are going out where there's not many BlackBerry 6 ones, so that might be something that you need to target. So tablets, you know, do you include tablets in your strategy? Maybe. The thing to remember is tablets aren't just big phones. You can't just take your interface and scale it up. Um, the user experience and the context is very different. Uh, where I use my phone versus where I'd use a tablet, um, different things. Uh, a good example of this is if you look at uh, Amazon. You know, Amazon.com has their website. They have their mobile app. They came out with that new tablet app, which is a completely different experience. They also have their mobile website. They kind of hit stuff everywhere. 
Um, so I would say don't get distracted by tablets if phone is your primary platform. You may find that the tablet is where you want to focus your development because that's what your market is going to work on. And uh, that's great. I see a lot of exciting things coming out of tablets. One of the big challenges with them right now is the iPad is the only game in town. Um, there's a lot of talk about Android tablets. I've been trying to buy them for a while. Really, the only things you can get your hands on are the um, Archos Media Players, which aren't really set up to be full tablets. Yesterday, the Wall Street Journal had a full-page ad for the Samsung Galaxy tablet saying, hey, it was available this week. I went to the carrier's websites, and you still couldn't even pre-order it. That looks like it could be some great hardware. I'm excited about that. Um, one of the challenges with the Android tablets is that Google has kind of said, hey, wait for Android 3. Uh, they're not letting the tablets go into the marketplaces. There's a lot of unknowns. It's still pretty new. Um, but that stuff's going to sort itself out in the next few months. And then there's the BlackBerry tablet, which, once again, that's been announced. It looks really good, but you can't get it yet. So once you've decided you know, you're going to make an app, um, you need to get it to your users. How are you going to distribute it? One way is the App Store. Uh, most of these platforms have an application store, so you can um, get your software out to the users. Um, iOS for Apple, they have you know, your iPhone, iPad, iPod, and soon they're going to be distributing Mac software via an application store. For Android, right now there's a Google Marketplace, which is good. Verizon has threatened to make a competing Android marketplace. Amazon has threatened to make a competing Android marketplace. Uh, yesterday there was a rumor BlackBerry was going to start a marketplace. Um, and I'm sorry, HTC was going to start a marketplace. Um, both BlackBerry and, BlackBerry and Windows Phone 7 have their marketplaces for their phones. The App Store is great. There's uh, things, a lot of things I like about the App Store. It's a painless way for users to get your application, assuming they can find it. Um, especially with the Apple App Store so crowded, it's really going to be tougher to differentiate yourself in there. Uh, one of the nice things, credit card information is already stored. It's just a click, put a password in, you can get an application down onto the device. As a user, as a developer, you get money in your account. Um, the, uh, Windows Phone 7, they have a ni nice concept in their App Store. They have a demo or a trial system, which I think has really been missing from the other ones. Uh, the developers have a lot of control over how long the demo lasts, what features are in the demo, what you need to do to buy it. That's one of the things that I like about that. Um, another thing is that Windows was really promising a quick seven-day turnaround when you submit your app to the App Store. And if it was rejected, you know why it was rejected. There's a downside to the App Store, too. Um, one is that you're splitting revenue with a third party. Another is that there's an approval process that's out of your control. Apple is getting the most press for this. Um, you know, sometimes you can mis submit something to Apple. It goes through really quickly. It's on the App Store. Other times you get stuck in a queue, and it's just completely opaque. You have no idea why. Occasionally when you get rejected, they will give you, hey, it was rejected because of this. Sometimes you won't necessarily get an answer. So that approval process is bad from the developer's perspective or a negative from the developer perspective. From a user perspective, I think it's great. Um, on the Apple application store, I have a high level of confidence when I'm downloading something from the App Store that it's going to be pretty good. It's not going to wreck my phone, things like that. If you ever download from the Android application store, you get big scary warnings about all the stuff the app can do, and you know potentially with your phone. And Google doesn't review those. They will occasionally pull things when people have been reported for bad behavior. Um, but as an end user, you don't get that uh, same nice 
you know, warm, fuzzy feeling there. But what if you don't want your app to go to just anyone? And this is a case we run into a lot. You know, Apple has an enterprise distribution model that works okay. It works good, actually, if you're a big enterprise or if you're an enterprise and you want to distribute your own software to your own employees. Where we found this has fallen down is if you're a company that wants to sell your application to enterprises, but you don't want it in the app store, um, there's some hurdles you have to jump over. Really, you can't be signing it and do enterprise distribution. Each of your clients has to do that. and There's a whole bunch of hurdles to jump through. And uh, I've been really unhappy with the process because it's, it just you know, adds a lot of gunk into the works. Apple is having a big push for the uh, enterprise, so hopefully they're going to improve this process as they get feedback of things that work, things that don't work. For Android, Android 2.2 enabled a lot of enterprise capabilities, or not a lot. They added more enterprise capabilities, device policies, things like remote wipe, stuff like that. They still don't have a de facto way to do your enterprise deployment. Fortunately, it's pretty easy. You can basically sideload your applications where you're loading an application onto the phone without going through an app store. Uh, this mostly just, uh, you have to adjust a device setting to basically say, allow non-marketplace apps. Pretty easy. I know AT&T was trying to stop sideloading on some of their phones. I don't know if they were ever successful with that. Enterprises where BlackBerry shines. BlackBerry's always been about the enterprise. They make it really easy. They have the tools to do this. Um, so if, it's an if you're working with an enterprise doing BlackBerry, it's a piece of cake. Windows Phone 7, on the other hand, has no enterprise support. They don't allow sideloading. Everything must just be distributed through the App Store, for now, anyway. That'll probably change in the future. So tools. Um, really, you don't have too much choice in your tools. The platform you choose is going to determine the tools you use. If you're developing iOS applications, you're going to be using a Mac and writing an Xcode. If you're doing BlackBerry, you need Windows and the BlackBerry developer tools. Windows Phone 7, you're going to be doing Windows and Visual Studio. Android is the, you know, the one where you can basically develop on any platform you want. So this all sounds kind of messy and complicated. You know, is there any alternative to this? Web applications are one alternative. So first of all, you know, what's a web application? I mean, it's kind of just a website, but it's also, it's basically a website that's been specifically optimized for use on a phone. Application tries to give you an application-like experience. It loads pages in place instead of navigating uh, back and forth to different URLs. Typically, it would be something you'd want to run in full screen mode and potentially even try to launch it like a native application from, uh, on the iPhone, you can do like a bookmark from the uh, from the home screen, and it can look like a native application. So, you know, when would you want to use a web app, and when would you not want to use a web app? Are you building games? You probably don't want to use a web app. Do you need device features like geolocation, camera, accelerometer, integration with contacts, integration with calendar? Do you want to charge money for your application? Because unless it's in an app store, it becomes a little more difficult to charge money for it. So in any of those cases, maybe you need a native app. I'll have a little more on that later. Or not. You know, uh, Brian Fling has a book about uh, mobile application development. And uh, I agree with him here that uh, right now, the best user experience 
rich design features, offline use comes from a native application. Some web applications, when you use them, don't feel quite right. They don't respond you know, quite as quick as they need to. They're a little bit clunky here and there. Um, another pro of native application development is it's rel relatively simple to develop a native application for one platform. Um, and you can charge money for them. Some of the negatives are with the native applications. Requires certification distribution by a third party, which is out of your control. Um, requires you to share revenue with other parties. It can be difficult to port your application from one platform to another platform. And developing, testing, and supporting multiple, excuse me, developing, testing, and supporting multi multiple devices can be costly. So if we switch back to web applications for a minute, WebKit is one of the reasons why uh, web applications on mobile are getting a lot better. Almost everybody is using it. In fact, everybody right now, except for Windows Mobile, they have some sort of cobbled together, i.e. different versions of stuff. Even though most of the platforms use WebKit, you'll find varying levels of support across that. Uh, right now, I think iPhone has the best support. Android is a close second, and then down from there. But basically, that means that each of the platforms is going to have some WebKit quirks on it. A lot of that you're not going to find out what they are until you start doing it. Along with WebKit, HTML5 is also great for mobile. HTML5 gives you some of the things that you would have previously had to have native application development for. You can get local storage, so you can have a database locally. You can do offline web applications. You can have a geolocation API on some devices. Uh, there's enhanced user input types. You can do web workers, which allows you to do background JavaScript. There's audio and video APIs to do that without plugins. There's a canvas. Um, there's also, you combine that with CSS3 and JavaScript, you can do a lot of good things now on, uh, for web apps that you weren't able to do a short time ago. That in itself could be a whole other talk. So if you decide you wanted to do web apps, there's a few frameworks that will let you do that. JQ Touch, I think, was one of the first ones that I ran across for doing mobile development. They started with just iPhone, now they're trying to support some Android stuff. It's jQuery-based, it uses native WebKit animations, swipe detection, so you can do gestures. Um, and I'm going to publish these slides, so if you guys don't want to have to write down all the URLs, they'll be on our website after this. Um, so JQ Touch is pretty good. It's lacking a few things. It doesn't let you do tab bars across the bottom. Um, so it'll get you some of the way there. Another more ambitious framework, this one's an alpha. It just came out. Um, jQuery Mobile. They call themselves a touch-optimized web framework for smartphones and tablets. They have huge goals. If you look, they have a great matrix um, of all the platforms they support and the features they support. It's huge, and if they can do it, it's going to be awesome. Right now, it's pretty quirky. Like I said, it's in alpha, but you can actually download. You can build some stuff, and uh, it, it has a lot of potential, something to keep an eye on. This company called Sencha. Sencha Touch is one of their platforms. They're an HTML5 uh, mobile web application framework. They claim to have the native look and feel on iPhone and Android Touch devices. I think this stuff looks pretty good. It's not quite native. Um, it's commercial, reasonably priced. And uh, I built a few prototypes with this. It looks really good. I was a little bit worried. It has, comes from a Google Web Toolkit, ext.js past. The APIs for developing code are really nice. The markup that it generates is horrendous. 
Um, but the performance seems pretty good, and that was really the biggest thing that I was worried about is, does it perform well on the device? Um, right now, they're in 0.99. They're going to release any day now. Something to keep an eye on there. Another HTML5-based framework is Sprout Core. Uh, originally, they were touting themselves as uh, focused on tablets, also to build desktop applications. I have hope that they're going to be uh, work very well on the mobile device. They're still in... Uh, in beta right now also, doing a lot of active development. And then there's a ton of other ones. IUI was, uh, lets you style your app to look like an iPhone. XUI provides a, a lighter weight alternative to jQuery for doing JavaScript. Um, there's newer frameworks like Zepto.js. There's a gazillion other ones. You know, you could use Prototype, MooTools, uh, YUI, anything you really want to build your app. One of the challenges is can it fit on the mobile device? Do you have to download too much data? We get kind of spoiled here in the U.S. with our, you know, basically unlimited bandwidth plans. Well, I guess that's changing now. Um, but there's, particularly in Europe, sometimes people are charged by, you know, the kilobyte coming down. So you don't want to be downloading all this stuff, and you'll really upset users that way. So if you needed some of the features of native apps, and you like some of the uh, idea of developing with, web apps, what can you do? You can kind of do a hybrid. PhoneGap is one of the, uh, I think they were one of the first ones to do this. What PhoneGap does is it basically takes the native features and it wraps them in a JavaScript API. So I can build an application that uses things like the camera via a JavaScript API and it builds into a native app and you can deploy it to a device. When I first heard about PhoneGap, I was like, this is great. I can write my you know, website and it'll just magically spit out all these different apps. Not quite the case. You still have to go and create an iPhone project, a Windows project, a BlackBerry project, and each of the projects. But all those projects can refer to the same uh, HTML code. That being said, even if you're doing that, you may have to, you know, when I'm using an Android device, I really want the tabs along the top. When I'm using an iPhone device, I want tabs along the bottom. So. If you're going to look more for the native look, you may still need to do some switching around and making sure that you're making the user comfortable with how your web app looks on their platform. Other times, you can go like Amazon. They make their stuff look the same on everybody's platform. Um, so it really depends on what you're doing. And the, you know, those, design, those type of design decisions are outside the scope of this uh, discussion here. Rome Mobile is another framework. Rome Mobile is... Um, they target iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, Symbian, Windows Mobile. You write your apps with a mix of Ruby, HTML, CSS. They have kind of a Rails-ish framework, not quite Ruby on Rails. They have three parts. They have Rhodes, which is an open source framework for building your app. They have RoSync, which is basically the way to get data in and out of your application and onto your server. And they have RoHub. And RoHub is a way for you to build um, the applications online without installing the SDK on your laptop. That's what the web page says. I don't know exactly how they do that for all the platforms. Really, I think where Row stands out is the data synchronization solution. If you, you know, need to push a lot of data, do some offline syncing, it could potentially be a good solution. Um, it really depends, too, it, how many users you have. They're pricing their server piece based on number of users. It's worth looking into. Uh, one of the things with all these frameworks, even with the commercial ones, is they pretty much have things where you can demo them, use them for free, check it out to see if it fits your needs. 
Accelerator Titanium is another framework where basically they have a JavaScript implementation of a web app. Instead of building HTML, you're, build, you're basically writing JavaScript to build your components, similar to the way things like Sentia Touch does. Um, they provide the native look and feel. They have lots of documentation, training, stuff like that. Uh, when you go on their website and use their tools, they're always trying to upsell you on support and stuff like that. Um, but it could be the right solution. Another one's uh, Corona. And uh, for the most part, they're supporting iPad and iPhone. They've recently targeted Android. There's a lot of commercial apps using this, mostly games. So my uh, caveat before, you know, do you need native to do games? Well, maybe. Um, and a lot of it is you're uh, scripting things in Lua for this. So this is going to be, it is fit your use case or not. One of the new players is Air 2.5. Adobe recently announced this at Adobe Max. Um, I've read a few articles on it, and it looked awesome. Um, I think most platforms are just going to install the Air Player. Uh, iOS is going to have to have some sort of compile time, native app, native application step. When I started reading about it, trying to find out more, there's a footnote. It's like, oh, yeah, go download, you know, not 2.5, 2.0, patch this and that. And they kind of lost me at a certain point. So it's too new to tell. Like I said, I think it has a lot of potential. It looks awesome. It almost seems too good to be true, so I expect to be disappointed by this. <laughs> so what does the future look like? Really, I think in the future, mobile web applications are going to be where it's at, especially with frameworks like PhoneGap. Um, before, you know, initially, you know, when you were using your Motorola Razor, mobile web was horrible. It's gotten so much better in the past few years. You know, really because of WebKit, HTML5, JavaScript, CSS. The toolkits are getting a lot better. Phone processors are getting faster, so you can do all sorts of crazy, you know, animations, inefficient things in JavaScript that you wouldn't have been able to do before. Also, there's so many native platforms. You know, we talked about a few of them, but there's a, everyone's trying to come up with native platforms. And to support all the native platforms, it would be very tough. The biggest con, I think, on the mobile web applications is how do you monetize them? And that's where PhoneGap and the other ones help, where you can wrap it, wrap a web application, put it in the App Store. That being said, today, I think native makes sense in some cases, especially on iPhone and Android. Um, the native toolkits aren't necessarily that difficult. There are a lot of them. Um, I think that sometimes when I talk to people, they're kind of scared off, like, oh, I've got to get in, I've got to learn these new languages, this and that. One of the nice things is that the, you know, mobile is very constrained. The concepts across the mobile platforms are pretty similar. Um, you know, Maybe only your better or the best developers are going to be efficient across all the platforms. But if someone sits down and concentrates on it and they're a good developer, you can easily pick up one of these platforms. So you can't support all the you can't support everything. Well you can, but it's going to be difficult. So today, you know, we really believe that you want to deliver quality on one or two platforms. And so for a lot of cases it makes sense to get that iPhone or Android, have it work really well. Uh, Kevin will talk a little bit about supplementing that with a with web also. Um, so I have, <clears throat> you know, and so I think you start there. You know, the rest supporting all those other platforms is just a matter of time and money. So, what are the next steps? There's no silver bullet in this. I think what you need to do: decide what you want to build, pick a platform, pick a framework, and start writing some code. You know, you really need to see what works and what doesn't. Mobile's a moving target, and you need to adjust that accordingly. 
So that's it for my presentation. Um, if you guys have questions, I'd be happy to uh, answer them. Tom, is there, is there any industry movement toward a unified platform? I know everybody wants to go native and exploit all of that, but when you think about the enterprise, right? Somebody is going to say, "Hey, look, let's you know, let's consolidate platforms, and we want to sell to as many customers. People writing B two B software, I want to sell to as many customers as I can. We need to limit the number of platforms." Is there any industry movement toward you think consolidation? That. I haven't heard a lot of it. I mean, I think that that's really Adobe's play coming in, like. Right. Hey, you know, you want to support all these things? Use Adobe, use Air 25. We're going to do this. You just develop for our platform. We'll get it out to the devices. I think more people may start doing that, but it's still kind of still a lot of people trying to be like, hey, we're the best. We're the best. Right. Just a, sorry, just a side note on the, the Air 25. That's what, when BlackBerry launched the playbook, that was what they were saying. It's like, hey, you want to write apps? You can already do it because you've done it with Air Apps before, and now we're going to give you our latest device. And I think that's what they're going to be plugging when the playbook comes out, right? Is, yeah. Uh, question, you, you spoke a little bit on the enterprise and as far as uh, dealing with different devices, obviously BlackBerry is really easy to deal with in the enterprise because they give you all the tools in the console <clears throat> you can shut down devices and deal with all that. I'm not aware of, can you speak a little bit to what Android now has? You said that there's some new stuff unlocking devices and things. Yeah, in 2.2 they added some of these new features where you could remote wipe devices, you could provision them. I um, can't remember what else I have listed. I haven't actually used those yet. Um, it looks like they're trying to add some of those features, but they're still far behind the other ones. Do those tools come from the carriers, or is that something that you get from um, Google itself as far as dealing with your devices? Some of those are going to be from Google. I don't know. I would expect the carriers will probably also provide some. Pretty much the Android stuff we've done is we've been sideloading the apps, where basically you have an APK file and you just put it onto the device. So. Yeah, Don, one quick question. Have you heard of any challenges with the phone tech approach in terms of getting Apple, you know, Apple approval and kind of approving apps that are kind of wrapped? Yeah, there was a lot of worry about that a while back when. Um, it was a few months ago, and people were all very worried about it. People were worried about Row Mobile, um, especially, and all that kind of just seemed to go away. Um, Apple has said they put out a, a whole list of, hey, you can do this and you can't do that kind of list, and you can't run interpreted code. You can't do a few other things, but um, JavaScript is one of the approved languages that they will let you run, so I think that's where it's okay there. I think where that concern also comes in is just Apple's not going to allow you to wrap website, you know, wrap access to a website, so just kind of like pass through the phone, they're not going to allow that, because that's the app itself has to do something um, in and of itself to be approved. Yeah, there was a list of something about it couldn't just be brochureware or marketing things or, there was examples of apps that broke those rules, but I think that they, yeah, they wanted to try to say, hey, you need to do something useful before we're going to let you go in the app store. And that's kind of one of the downsides, because you know what I think is useful may not be what Apple thinks is useful. So there's some risk involved there. With that said, is it easy to send a user in an email bookmark to something so that you get around that? You spoke a little bit to um, it's easy to create bookmarks that look similar to apps on that platform. Is that an easy thing to send to a user? You can use, um, if you send someone an email and they click on it you can open up it'll open Safari and open up a uh, web page the trick there is sometimes you'll see uh, down at the bottom I'll have a little uh, div that pops up and it says hey to put this on your 
desktop, you know, hit the plus button and say save to home screen. Once they get through that step, then it'll work just like a regular app. I don't know a really elegant way around that other than bug the user a few times and hope they do that, yeah. Sorry. That's all right, no. Uh, another question, you said related to development platforms and I've never done anything with um, uh, Apple stuff, but you have to develop from a Mac? Yes, uh, I think Roam Mobile, one of the things they were saying is you don't need a Mac to do that. I don't know how they get around that. But yeah, basically if you're gonna develop for um, iPhone I, uh, and the um, iPad, you need to develop an Xcode on the Mac. The Similar to the way if you're going to do BlackBerry, you need to have a Windows machine. Right. And Windows and Android's open to all platforms. Exactly. Okay. Yes? Have you like, tried out the uh, education method they call WinOSP, I believe, uh, developed by the MIT? I'm sorry, can you repeat the platform again? I'm not familiar with that one. They're targeting mobile with that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's more like a web application that's like a simulate on mobile. Okay. No, I'd be interested. There's definitely, there's a lot of platforms and people trying to um, approach this problem. Um, so it'd be good. I'd be interested to talk to you a little bit and find some more about it, find out some more about that. Okay, so uh, thank you guys very much. Um, this presentation will be available on the presentation section of our website. Um, later today or tomorrow. Thank you very much. You can find this and hundreds of past presentations online at Chariot's website, chariotsolutions.com slash downloads slash presentations. Or you can click on the downloads tab on the homepage at chariotsolutions.com. For more information about our event series, including the upcoming continuous integration for the Enterprise Show on December 1st, Watch for event announcements, also available on our homepage at chariotsolutions.com. You can also find our public education schedule there. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line on Twitter. We're at TechCast. And you can also reach us via email at techcastfeedback at chariotsolutions.com. Our podcast themes are free theme number three and number four from podcastthemes.com. For the TechCast, I'm Ken Rimple.